heard of the Amir Locke story? I haven't. When I got a glimpse of the new documentary trailer by filmmaker and producer Andrew Tyler, I thought, wow, another young black man taken too soon. Today, we speak with Andrew Tyler and his wife and executive producer, Linda Tyler, about the personal story of Amir Locke. Coach Tony Thompson and I take a deep dive and celebrate the Tyler International Social Awareness Festival. Tune in and get ready to be inspired. I'm Val The Voice Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes, a Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by... Need help with wills, trusts, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. Text the word LEGAL to 347-652-0243 for more information. And now, all the way from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Val The Voice Johnson. I am very uh, excited to bring on a very talented filmmaker as well as a film festival creator here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, We're going to, I don't know if you've heard of the Amir Locke story of what happened with him. Uh, There was no knock warrants that happened in Minnesota. And in, in February of 2022, this young man unfortunately lost his life due to a very aggressive uh, Minneapolis police person and we are going to have the filmmaker that's going to be talking about that and then also he's going to be talking about his film based on the Amir Locke story and so I'm going to go ahead and show a I want to call it a trailer that he worked on and I'll go ahead and we'll talk on the other in on the other side of it here we go guys. the Department of Justice has concluded that there is reasonable cause to believe that the Minneapolis Police Department and the City of Minneapolis engaged in a pattern or practice of conduct that violates the First and Fourth Amendments of the United States Constitution. Lieutenant said this is the first no-knock warrant St. Paul's executed this year? Is is that true? They fought us to... They would not let us do a no-knock. Minneapolis knew that they never should have been executing them in the first place. This affects everyone around this country. How could you go home and kiss your baby after you took mine? And what we see here is modern day lynching. It is a social and a political control of black Americans. This is bleeding into our youth. As early as Emmett Till and as recent as Amir Locke, white men are killing and young black lives are still dying. So this is, is this St. Paul's case? Oh yeah. So this is St. Paul's deal. Ah, except we shot. <laughs> no knock warrant. No necessity of knocking. No necessity of warning someone that the cops are coming in. Disrespecting the fact that why wouldn't we if we held a firearm? Will that firearm when you're coming in my front door and you have not announced who you are? A mere lie. Say my baby's name. The thing that irks me the most is that 
these policies have been able to be carried out for so long. My name is Brianne Curran. I'm a representative in the state of Minnesota, and we're here today to ban no-knock warrants because we know it's the right thing to do and it'll save lives. I feel as though this bill is legislating to the exception. This bill is legislating to the headlines. This bill is rooted in emotion, and it is not rooted in outcomes. He never should have been called a suspect. And I pulled out my pocket and said, all will pay there have only been eight days in 2022 where the police did not kill someone. Those thugs executed my baby boy, beautiful baby boy, in less than nine seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and bring on Andrew Tyler and his beautiful wife, Linda. How you guys doing on today? You are muted, so we can't hear you. <laughs> Let's We're try doing it again. Well. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us on the show, Ms. Val. Thank oh, you. Sorry man. about the mute. No, that <laughs> you you were getting ready. That's what happened. That's what happened. You were getting ready, and and that's and that completely is understandable. I'm going to go ahead and ask Kevin to um, ask the audience to put some. I'd like to call it questions in the chat for us. So definitely, definitely, this has been um, a very interesting time in our, our country where a lot of our uh, black males and females have been unfortunately taken away from us. And it's not that they're out and about. It's not that they're at a store or somewhere else. They're at home. And I was reading through some of the things regarding Amir Locke. Um, he was visiting his cousin and he wasn't even in his own apartment. And it, 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 it's, he, I think he reached for a gun and then uh, one of the gentlemen, the, the police officer shot him three times and this, and these shots uh, fatally killed him. Um, here's the thing, Andrew, cause what I want to say is that last year, the Tylerman Film Festival was it, it, it was very diverse. Definitely got a chance to see you in your element, but this is different. This is the Tylerman Social Awareness Film Festival. I just wanted to talk with you about why did you make that change and what how was it to make this documentary on Amira Locke? Well, actually, it's the Tylerman International Social Awareness uh -huh. Film Festival International. Mm -hmm. and, and the rationale and reason behind it is that we're receiving films from all over the globe. I'm receiving films that are uh, from Iran, Iraq, Australia, um, and these are sensitive films, whistleblower films. Um, mm -hmm. I received a film uh, last year, if, 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 if some of the people were there, uh, it was called Nine Wives, and it dealt with the, uh, the, the, 26 the alleged 26 children of uh, the uh, Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Um, so you, I'm, I'm getting films that people are getting threatened on. So wow. I, I decided to kind of transform this thing a little bit and turn it into a social awareness film festival that affords us the opportunity to give independent filmmakers a chance to give and give them a voice. We want that voice to be heard. We don't want it silenced. We don't want somebody threatening or whatever the case. And um, uh, for many of you that have seen uh, uh, Sounds of Freedom, um, that particular movie is, it's, it's really a war cry against child trafficking. 
and thank God for it because it, it gave uh, it, it gave a uh, an awareness of what was going on really in the whole Bezos case and all that kind of stuff that was going on on his island. So we need to know about these things and we need outlets that are willing to put that stuff out there. So I, I decided um, to, to change it up a little bit, uh, call it an International Social Awareness Film Festival that affords filmmakers an opportunity to have a platform. Yeah. And Linda, this has been, you've been sharing this journey with Andrew for the last five <laughs> years. And I've heard that you're also the executive producer on this documentary. What, what did it take for you and your family to kind of, you know, embrace this film and, and to, why was it important for Andrew to do this and, and in your support? of doing this film, how was that for you? So Andrew, as a filmmaker, wanted to do a, a movie. And I pushed for the documentary because when we got the call on 2222 that Amir was murdered, the initial narrative was that it was as if he was crouched down behind the door and he just pulled the gun on the officers. And it, and I was perplexed because I know my nephew. Now there's some nephews I know that I'm like, okay, I, I, that's probably right. <laughs> but for him, I was like, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile that. And I was struggling with it. And I had a niece who kept telling me, you need to hurry up and get here. Um, it doesn't look good what they're putting in the news and everything. And I, my one question to her was, what do you believe? Because you right. First cousin. So, what do you believe? I don't care what the news say, but what do you believe? And what I asked as a filmmaker, he carries his camera. I said, Are you bringing your camera up uh, to Minnesota? And he said, Yes, absolutely. And so we just chronicled every single thing because here we are as a family thrust into a world that we didn't ask for, wasn't prepared for, and didn't know mm -hmm. how to respond to. So, the point of the camera was to record everything. So like when you find out you got cancer, you can go back and actually hear what they actually said so you can know how to deal with it. Because when you first hear it, you don't you don't retain anything. And he had gathered so much footage because we were in marches, we were thrust in these um, panel discussions. And that's why yeah. I wanted to do the documentary, but we held all the footage because we just knew Keith Ellis, uh, the attorney Keith general, Ellison. would file charges. And when he didn't, um, my sister, we were actually at the NAND convention in uh, New York. And my sister was really upset. We were, she was about to go on stage because Amir is my sister's son. And I looked oh. at her and I said, don't worry. I said, because we'll tell the story. As a filmmaker, in my background, I got a BJ. And as a journalist, I said, we'll put the story out there because we're in a social media world. I said, we'll tell them their story. We don't have to wait and get permission for them because we have all the footage and we'll tell the truth. And so this was a personal, a personal story to you both. This is your. It, it's nephew. very personal. It's an very personal. account of what took place in Amir's case. It's, it's mm -hmm. more than personal for me. 
um, I had to review 56 body cams and the sound that came along with those body cams. And what I saw was, it, it was horrific. It was telling. And, and for the attorney general of Minnesota not to bring charges along with the Hennepin County state's attorney not to bring charges. They sat on TV together and said they were not going to bring charges because the officer claimed he feared for his life and that he didn't have enough evidence to go off of. Um, that's troublesome to my wife and I. And, I, and it just didn't sit well with me because I had already seen the body cam footage and I knew for a fact that they could bring charges. Right. We, I mean, we were dealing with illegal chokeholds. We were dealing with uh, no knock. We were dealing with a, a lack of de-escalation, um, kicking of a couch, uh, and three seconds later, shooting someone dead and not even saying, drop the weapon. So a man would sleep on the couch and he had a gun next to him. He was licensed to carry. So it's right. like you sleep on the couch, you're at your cousin's crib, you ain't got nowhere to put it. You put it right. next to you because you don't want nobody touching it. They come in, kick the couch, he's shot. Um, they yelling and screaming, and 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 um, you know, our attorney said he says it's being unaware. Um, you know, in the military, they at least give you a minimum. I believe it was thirty seconds. It was like a seconds. minimum of thirty seconds to gather your thoughts when they come in yelling and screaming and banging on pots. I'm like, get out the bed now, now, drop and roll. So in the military, if they do that, why can't the officer? And and this is where the the dilemma comes in for me because he didn't have a chance. He did not have mm -hmm. a chance. So, and Val, I just want to say ahead, something. Go you say it's personal. It's very personal. Oh hell yeah! Mm -hmm. But because before we became parents, we were aunts and uncles. Right. And Amir, you know, I'm Karen. My sister and I. I'm the last of ten. She's number nine. I'm number ten. So I'm the baby of the family. And Amir, we were there when he was born. Yes. I cut his umbilical cord. So that mm. was like my son. That's why I said, I there's some nephews or nieces. If you <laughs> tell me something, I'm like, yeah, they probably did it. But this one, he didn't have a record. He didn't have a criminal record. They looked, they did over 200 searches because they was trying to find something to justify the kill. And they couldn't find anything. So then they tried to equate it to the warrant and they just kept trying and trying. And my one thing, my one uh, message to them when we held a press conference is I said, as a journalist, I will demand that y'all tell the truth. I'm right. not going to sit by and allow y'all to just um, put his, you know, scandalize his name. Yes. I'm not going to allow you to make false pretenses of what he did when he didn't do it. And when you see the movie, you'll fully understand what I'm talking about because it actually shows um just how they lie in the cover-up and it's not just the cops it is the whole system it from um the coroner's office to when they go and do the reports to right. every single thing the system comes together to cover up the murder of our black and brown young men and women and frankly time out is for it and so I, Mark had a question that I want to address. He said, how often are these no knocks? Um, they're often for black and brown people. And in the state of mm. Minnesota, that's why right now there, as you opened up with the, the um, trailer, the, mm -hmm. um, the attorney general, Mark um, Merrick Garland, put a decree on Minnesota right now because he, they found that they had uh, a decade of 
uh, utilizing black and brown bodies. Like all the black people in the city knew that, all the brown people in the city knew it, and even some of the white people. But now it's out there. George Floyd pushed it out there in a mirror. And, and when you see the documentary, it shows how the whole system works together, how they really don't fear for their life because they're joyous when they walk in to bust in their home and how they now kick the couch once, but they kicked the couch twice. Cause the first time they kicked it, he didn't respond. Amir is a heavy sleeper. The second time they kicked it, he just reached for his gun, but they only showed the gun initially. They didn't show mm -hmm. how he was trained to put his hand on, on the gun, not on the trigger. Cause you assess the situation before you actually engage. He was trained and he showed his training yes. in the videos that we have but not right. in what the news people put out. There was a dissent yeah, so, decree, Ms. Val. Mm -hmm. I didn't cut you off, I'm sorry. There was, so the dissent decree that she's referring to, do you know right now that attorney Benjamin Crump, along with my brother-in-law, uh, 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 Andre Locke Sr., the, the father of Mir, right now, if you turn on the news, they're in Minnesota because a state trooper killed a young man and the first four minutes of the body cam footage is missing. Imagine that. And wow. I'm talking about right now as we're doing this interview. They are up mm -hmm. in Minnesota right now, all together, along with uh, Miss Nakima Levy Armstrong and members of the people, uh, members of that public community that are in our documentary right now. They're in Minnesota defending a young man that was killed on the highway and was on his phone. Thank God he was on his phone um, with with his uh, wife or mother. I don't know who it was. But he was on the phone for that first four minutes while he was shot. And now all of a sudden, the first four minutes of the body cam footage is missing and you only see the shooting and all the rest. You don't you don't really see the shooting. So we don't see what led up to that particular shooting. We cannot trust what's going on. In my movie, you should see how many times these officers turn their body cams off and on to restart those body cams. Barack Obama, right. the, if, if there's anything that stood out about President Obama for those who don't like Obama, Thank God for body cams, because that's the one thing that he did before he left office that was right. able to help us in our fight for justice with Amir Locke. And um, and I say that because I was able to get all of the footage. They didn't block nothing out. And I think they were happy enough not to do it. So um and, uh, and let me let me jump in here because I think what's most disturbing is that I, the date of what happened with uh, your nephew. We're talking February of 2022. George Floyd was 2020. Yes. So I would think that with all of that happened in 2020 um, and kind of we just recently with and uh, talking about um, Emmett Till, the anti-lynching law just passed. That's right. Yep. Uh, I believe one year ago uh, around uh, June or July of 2022 so it's like it's just a little disturbing like why are cops not trained in number one like fighting to if you're gonna if you're there for a warrant the goal is to arrest bring that person in and process them and I don't understand why with black black and brown people that there's you just shoot and there's no questions that was a white young man there would be nope we want to arrest him we want to take him in so we can ask if we want to take him to burger king after he killed the church I, what happened 
I said, we, we want to take him to Burger King after we kill people in the church. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of the cop mentality. Can I, I, I got an answer to your question. I, um, I was quoted in the Minneapolis Star Tribune and, I, and I, I was quoted saying that the worst place that a black man can exist is in a white person's imagination. But I, I'd wow. like to re recap that because I heard, a, I heard an activist and actor say that on a show and it stuck with me. But now I'm starting to think the worst place that a black man or a black woman or a brown person can exist is in an officer's imagination because they imagine us committing crime. They crouch behind, you know, you, you're, what type of person waits for you to speed down the highway? And it, nothing wrong with it. I guess you're breaking the law, you're speeding. But what type of an individual wants to do that job? A crouching tiger, let me get him. So I, I have a problem with the mindset of officers. And, um, and, and this is not a knock against all police. What I'm saying right, is it's some, a God complex. It's some, yeah. What is a God complex that comes along with it that says, I'm above the law, I do what I want to do. And um, and they have an imaginatory mindset. Tyree Nichols killers, there were five black officers and one white officer. Those were black people killing a young black man. There's a demonic spirit in the police department that gives them an opportunity and a J. Edgar Hoover spirit that comes along and says, let me kill you off. Dr. King, let me kill you off. Uh, black Panther Party, let me kill you off. All of these different things that were good for us initially and they just want to kill off right. so I'm, I'm starting to think that the worst place that we can exist is in their imaginations because you don't see them going into their own neighborhoods devouring killing stealing destroying they only do it in hours so it's right. in their imagination and and i believe that wholeheartedly i really do so i believe that's why they do what they do to us i want to say really right. quick before i forget um we're at the tivoli we're going to be at the Tivoli this Friday because I know one of our posters said that we were at the Regal. The Regal filed bankrupt, shut down, and, and, and uh, believe it or not, we didn't even have a, a building until uh, uh, this week. Last week, we wow. didn't have a theater uh, because they filed bankruptcy. So we'll be at the Tivoli in Downers Grove and, mm -hmm. and, uh, on August 4th. And I just want to thank you for having us on here. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Have you seen it? It's entertainment reviews, fabulous interviews, and sports you can use. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat. And now, back to our show. I'm going to bring on the coach, uh, Coach Tony. He is in the backstage here. I don't know if he has any questions for you and your wife. Uh, hey there, Coach. Good to hey, see Tony. you. Man, I, I'm sitting here listening to this like, it's, 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 it's incredible because, you know, you guys are at home in Chicago and I'm here in the South. So you, you, you thinking about police officers trailing people and doing things. I, I just had literally two incidents uh, previously this year and one earlier last year and happened to have my son in the car with me and uh, riding down the highway, uh, down actually down a back street and made a turn. I'm actually in between a car that's in front of me and a car behind me. And I'm, I'm the car that's in the middle. I'm keeping up with traffic. Um, the officer was coming. I'm going northbound. He's coming southbound. A car in front of him turned. There was a space. I turned and he turned behind me. First thing I told my son is, okay, we've been trailed by the police. So don't make any sudden moves. And I'm telling them things that I normally, you know, shouldn't even be saying. I should just be enjoying my trip. Um, the car in front of me 
pulled over, I mean, uh, turned to go home. And within about a half a mile, he turns his lights on. So I was like, let me get to a safe place. So I continued to drive for about a half a mile. And then I, you know, fortunately, I seen an older, older white lady in her yard doing uh, yard work. And I <laughs> pulled in her driveway, literally pulled in her driveway. And the officer gets out. And the first thing he says to me is, uh, are you crazy? You continue to drive. Do you know why I'm following you? And I said, well, let me ask a couple questions for you. No, I don't know why you're following me because I wasn't speeding and I wasn't doing anything illegal. And I saw when you turned. Do you know this officer told me that he caught me speeding? And I said, how could that be possible when I was in between two cars? He said, I caught you as you turned. So me being smart, I said, well, let me I'll tell you what, officers, I'll pay for any ticket you want. If you can walk me back to your car and let me see your camera, if it was calibrated. When I said if it was calibrated on a speedometer, he then went to a whole nother subject, asked me for my license, asked my son. I said, you don't need to see my son's information. He goes and checks my information, comes back. I play a lot of golf. So I had a, a Sam Adams beer cap in the middle of my console. So it's 10 o'clock in the morning. I'm taking my son to, to work. And the officer then puts his hand on his gun and asks me, have I been drinking? I'm like, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. So I yeah. asked him, I said, have you, you know, do you uh, play golf? And then he, he went on another subject. He said, well, let me tell you why I stopped you. Couldn't see your license plate because you had a, a, a covering over your plate. You know, those plastic coverings you get for your license plate. So I said, well, that's funny. If you got a few minutes, I'd like to go down to the DMV because I want to file a lawsuit. He said, why is that? I said, because I brought it from the DMV. And <laughs> if the DMV is selling license plate covers so that you guys as police officers can pull us over, then I then I, I got a major lawsuit. And at that point, he's like, you know something? You know, here's the license. You have a good day. Yeah. Great. So when I hear stories like the one that you guys are about to show America, it makes me cringe because uh, as you said right now, while you guys are doing this show, there's another officer in Minnesota just completely did the same thing. No different than it just happened here in Tennessee and Memphis uh, two weeks ago. Um, and it's, you know, the, and we always continue to say, when is it going to stop? And that's my question. When is it going to stop? I don't think it, I, I don't I, think it does. I, you know what? My husband and I talk about this. Um, when you talk about the spirit, uh, I'm a spiritual person and I don't think it's going to stop because it's been going on since Jesus. Jesus was killed by officers of his day. So <laughs> mm. I, I honestly don't so think that it's ever going to stop because as my husband also said, um, there is a spirit and I know people say, well, I have family members that are police officers. They're good. But let me tell you something. You have a family member, but you don't know how that family member is on the job. You don't know how they treat people on the job and right. it's different. So they come, they put on a spirit and even Beyonce says when she gets on stage, she becomes Sasha. That's a different spirit. So right. there comes a, a time when, when people have certain jobs, certain occupations where they change into something they once were not. And that's, and that's what happened with police. And so, you know, even with us putting out these body cams everybody's like worried because it's never been done for police literally you see them kill my nephew you see that they they shot him 
five times. Five, not three. Not three. Not only did they shoot him, but then they jump on his back, put him in a chokehold, and zip tie him. Please explain to me why you need to do all of that when you've already shot him. And then once they get off of him, after he's zip tied, they check for a pulse, realize he may be dying, and start to try to do CPR. Do CPR, and all they're doing is pumping his chest. That's ignorant. Cops are ignorant because tell me something. How do you pump somebody's chest when you just fill them with bullets and you think that you're saving them? You don't put your mouth on them. You're not giving them reset. You're not doing CPR. That and was for the cameras. That was for the cameras. And it was for the book. The Because the book is say yep. that you um, feared for your life. And also say that you tried to help. And so they tell us that and we believe them because we don't see the cameras. And so the thing about it is the world has seen the uh, snippet. But what we're about to show is the actual incident. It's everything. Yeah. And, 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 we, and we're doing it and it's intentional. It's hard right. to see as his auntie. But mm -hmm. just like in the clip. Everybody said this kind of reminds me of Emmett Till. In right. Emmett Till's day, they didn't have cameras. That's the difference. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a major yeah, that's difference, a, guys. That, and let me impressive. let me jump in here. So this film is is premiering at the Tylerman International Social Awareness Film yes, Festival. Let me make sure I get all those words in there. And also there is a private documentary feature screening on Friday, August 4th. That'll be wonderful. No knock, no charge. The Amir Locke story. And the doors open for that at 630. And it's uh, starting It's about $25 a person. And it'll be there in Warrenville. Is that correct? It's going to actually be in Downers Grove. Downers okay. Grove. Okay. Yeah, we're in Downers in Grove at the Tivoli Theater. Tivoli, okay. And, and we can put it in the chat. Yeah, right off and of Main you, Street and, and um, right near the train tracks, literally. Uh, the wow. Theater, um, and and, and this, it's in, in Downers Grove. And, and the gentleman that's on the screen, uh, nice the, uh, Dr. Eric Mike, Michael Dyson, I heard that I hear that he will also be in attendance at the who's going to be also. So let me tell this you, this is Joker right here. Michael Larry Dyson is going to be, yeah, <laughs> he is something funny. Uh, Michael Larry Dyson is a comedian on the low. Uh, he's an intellectual, but he is a straight comedian. He called He called today and he said, I'm going to be there on Sunday. I said, can you be mm -hmm. here Friday? He said, I'll be there on Sunday packing lunch. I'm coming in. And, uh, <laughs> and, and um, so Michael Larry Dyson will be at Cantini Park in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, 1S151 Winfield Road in Wheaton, Illinois. And he's going to be on a panel discussion with uh, the amazing Art Norm from Channel 5 News, who will be moderating. And uh, we have um, uh, Andre Locke uh, Sr. And we also have uh, uh, Marquise Armstrong, uh, who's going to be on this panel discussing. And it's called I Am a Man. And it's going to deal with the challenges of manhood and the challenges of Mr. Locke losing his son. Uh, 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 and, and all of these parents, you, you see a lot of the mothers crying on TV and you see mothers of the movement that have lost their sons, but you very right. seldom see these fathers. And, and that's what we're going to tap into. And we're going to talk to the fathers and the emotion that comes along with it 
in losing a child and losing their son and turning that grief into action. And of course, the, from la and of course, from last year, we're going to see uh, Dr. Walt Wiltman and the Soul Children. Yeah. They're going to sing. They're going to do our national uh, Negro national anthem, lift every voice, and then they're going to get into some amazing music. That's uh, on Friday. That's on Friday, featuring mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jason Warrior. Actually, is going to be coming out with them from the Voice. Uh, and you've mm -hmm. seen him on four and all the rest of it. And, and he's going to come out with them and, and, uh, and sing unto the, the glory of God. And they're going to minister to us uh, along with uh, Pastor uh, uh, Darius Brooks. He'll be there as well. Uh, uh, I just miss y'all by, I miss you guys by one weekend because I definitely would have been, a, I just left the city. <laughs> and then we want to mention the hip play uh, ballerinas. There's a couple of them that will actually be performing. We have a song that we wrote called No Knock, No Charge um, to support the movie. And so they're going to perform it that night. So all of that is taking place on Friday night. I want to mention another panel because there's several mothers that are actually coming in. So Valerie uh, Bell is coming in. That's Sean Bell's mother out of New York. Um, mm -hmm. Alyssa Finley, um, Botham's sister is coming in. Botham John. Uh, Botham John's sister and um, Michelle uh, McKinney is, com is coming in. Her son was Anton Rose. Um, he was killed by police in Pittsburgh. Um, and then Karen will be there. And Mother so, of Amir Locke, of course, and Tashira Garraway, her fiance. So okay. they're doing. So there's a woman's panel on Saturday, and that's from from grief to action, and it's what these mothers have done uh, since their children were murdered or executed by the uh, by a police officer. Well, I just want to say one last thing before you guys get out of here, and that is uh, what your wife mentioned a moment ago. That is 100 percent correct. I can't. I'm sitting up here trying to think. I can't think of the movie. It was, it was a movie, the one that Common played a police officer and the young lady's niece. Uh, the, they were they were rappers at a party, a house party, and uh, the police stopped them. It happened to be in Minnesota. It's funny. The police stopped them, and um, the kid gets out of the car, kind of got small with the police officer. Okay. Officer asked him to get out. He was reaching back in the car. I know what you're talking about because I have the book downstairs. Yeah. To, to, get, to get his hair brushed oh. and, and the kid when he turned around with brushing his hair police officer shot him uh seven times and killed him and then they had this big movement well common who was a black guy in the movie who is the yes the uncle of the niece and she sat him at the living room table one morning she says you know you if, if you were making that same stop what would you have done and he's like the same thing and he said, what about is the movies? Then he called himself describing. Well, he didn't put his hands up. Well, he wanted to do this. He wanted to do that. And he went on all these scenarios. Then she was like, wow. Then she said, let me ask you a question. If you were in the suburb and you'd have done it in a rich, affluent white neighborhood, would it went the same way? And he said, absolutely not. So that when you just said that, it just made me think about that moment in that movie. Can I share something with you guys really quick? I, I asked the gentleman that was in the military, what would he have done after I showed him the trailer? And do you know, he looked at me and he, he said he would have done the exact same thing that the officer did. He said, I would have done the exact same thing. And the reason he said it was because I have to make it home to my family. And I said, well, you would have been just as wrong as the officer. And what he said to me was, was really chilling. He said, well, we would have settled that out in court. And I thought about that. He said, mm -hmm. we would have settled it out in court 
what I would have done. He said, because had I even saw the gun, I would have shot. And yeah, I but said, my question is, what happened to the 80s? What happened to the 80s when police officers, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Chicago guy, true and true, and been in, you know, hung out in the streets, do a lot of things back in the day. And we used to run around because I DJed and stuff like that. But what happened back in the day, at least the mob ran the city back in early, you know, late 70s, early 80s in Chicago, when Cabrini Green and the low end was there. And the officers shot below the belt, you know, they, they, they may have crippled you, shot your kneecaps yeah, out. Your leg. That's right. Exactly. But but you live to go to court. You know, yeah, they may put you down 26 in California for a few hours, but you had to go see Hang 'em High Judge Pitcher. You know That's what right. I'm saying? And you you end up having to tell that story. Now, you know, I, I was talking to someone recently and, and they said the police officers are not trained like that no more. They're trained no, to they're, shoot they, on they target. They're trained like that. They're trained to kill. They're yep. trained to kill you. They're trained to kill your son. They're trained to kill my husband or anybody else that looks like us that has our melon because they they can restrain themselves when it comes to white people. A white man can shoot up a place, walk out with a gun, have the gun in his hand, and they won't do anything to him. We it just happened in Memphis. It him. happened in Memphis yesterday. The guy went to the school to shoot the school up in Memphis, if you guys haven't seen it, because yes, CNN on the night, he walked in with the pistol. They had the school locked down. Yes, he couldn't get in. What? Went to the it parking lot. Yep, he shot the administration's office up front window, got in his car. They took the photo of the truck and the man, called the Memphis Police Department. They, they cut him off about a mile and a half down the street at an intersection. He got out with the gun. They shot him in the leg. I mean, shot him in the chest. He's in a hospital, only took one bullet. Yeah, so that is a very extremely, extremely disturbing. And um, Mark asked very quickly, how much is that support of their own playing, playing into the conversation? Are we seeing enough black officers giving pushback to the racist cops? No, we're not. I don't think we are. Yeah. I, because there mm. is the blue wall. That's right. So yeah. I, it's, it's not the black wall, it's the blue wall. And yeah. there's a movie out about that called Black and Blue. And they show that, look, you're one of us now. You can't think like them. See, that's what I'm saying. It's a spirit. So no, I, and so we have a blue <laughs> wall. We represent a mirror. When we come out, we come out in royal blue. We're a blue wall too. And I think, so we're going to have to, look, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. We are not afraid of them because we control them. God gave this to us. He didn't give it to the evils of the world. And so we're just going to take it back. One movie and, at a time. And the thing that has happened now, as we wrap up, the thing that has happened now in Minnesota, no knock warrants, are they still prevalent or has there been legislation written about it? Ah, yes. Let me talk to you about that. And, and I believe only God could write this script. 13 mm -hmm. months after the execution of Amir, uh, there was a bill passed restricting and or banning no-knock warrants in Minnesota. And we played a, a really big part in that. My wife and I, we went to the Capitol. Uh, we protested. We marched. We actually talked to officials. We we sat in these member uh, Congress hearings and, and slate meetings. And um, and they heard us. They listened to us. In fact, uh, uh, legislation had been put out in 2020 and 2021, but they did not pass it. Had they passed it in, in those years, we would still, Amir would, would be here. He wouldn't be a hashtag. Right. 
So we were able to go up and, and make sure that no knock warrants would be no longer used in these messed up raids that are that and, and for those that are on your line that are pro-police um this affects everyone this affects police that are trying to go into a dwelling with someone that's sleep and might shoot at them in in, in case in the case of the rihanna taylor case her boyfriend shot back rihanna right. took nine bullets but her boyfriend shot back so you have officers that are being shot at when you're going into these dwellings and people think that you're some kind of burglar or crook um, like the lady in Louisville, there, I mean, in Chicago, the one that they were looking for the drug dealer, they went to the wrong, wrong, yeah. wrong, and, wrong. Room. and, and she had no clothes on. They wouldn't even yeah. let her put her clothes on. So. Even, I mean, the lack of respect, even when they do do wrong, it's it's a sense of entitlement. And and I say this all the time: your title doesn't entitle you. And I right. think for a lot of people, they believe because I'm in this, they they think that when they come and pull you over. You shouldn't challenge him. You should respect me. I'm a cop. Right. Right. And that is what's very, very troubling. But I will say this, guys. This is going to be a phenomenal film festival. I'm so excited uh, to support it. I was there last year and yes. it is happening. It's happening again this year. But now it's added Social Awareness Film Festival. And this is personal. The Amir Locke story. That will be one of the... Uh, premier documentaries that will be featured andrew yes linda thank you so very much for being here we really appreciate you so very thank much you guys. thank you for the work you've done thank you for the philanthropists just keep on doing it. i mean again it's like the old saying you know you may not win them all but you can win one exactly exactly all right guys thank you so very much god bless Take you care, thank you everyone you guys to see the full interview with filmmaker Andrew Tyler, his executive producer and wife, Linda Tyler, and coach Tony Thompson, please visit our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, produced by Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a Peer Lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by Need help with wills, trust, or protecting your LLC? Join Legal Shield today. For more information regarding legal protection or to join our worldwide sales team, text the word LEGAL to 347-652-0243. Become a future sponsor or advertiser on our podcasting platform by visiting our website today. To subscribe to our YouTube channel or join Interlude's Facebook group, visit the website linktree slash peerlightmedia. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash peerlightmedia. Media.